A quick note for today's episode. The manga that we discuss, Gleipnir, contains discussions and depictions of sensitive material, including sexual assault and psychological manipulation. As such, listener discretion is advised. Good evening, and welcome once again to that time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures over analyzing manga that we find interesting. I am your dread host, Sam, and it is once again that time of year, the most disturbing and haunted time of all, Spooktober. Join us for a month of horror beginning this week with Gleipnir, chapters 1 through 14. Enjoy the episode, if you dare. Hello everyone, and welcome once again to the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and as always, here at the top of the show, uh, we talk about what our familiarity with the franchise we read this week is. Uh, I think this is going to be a round table of not heard of it, or maybe I'm just projecting, because I certainly never have. That's really about it. This was uh, brought up for the show, and that's all I know. How about you, Matt? Um, so I'm the one who brought this up for our lovely October viewing because I vaguely remember the anime for this, I think came out about two years ago. Um, and I remembered it as the weird furry mascot thing that looked kind of vor heavy. That'll probably be cool for a kind of sultry October. And now here we are. Here we are indeed. Uh, Jay, how about you? So this is similarly, I would not heard of this previously, so really had nothing to go off of. I hadn't even heard of this through the grapevine. So this is a fresh take for me. And Jacob. Uh, Glipnir, is that some kind of Belkin super weapon? I just finished Ace Combat 7. <laughs> Honestly, it sounds like it could be. <laughs> <laughs> it fires nukes that explode into smaller nukes. Ah, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that is not actually what's going on here. And frankly, I hesitate to say with any confidence what's actually going on here. Uh, at least the start is certainly something as uh, we open up on uh, a young boy crying, uh, screaming, I'll kill you, you heartless bitch, and uh, just panties. And uh, then next page, he's... Uh, holding a girl up by her throat and she's saying then do it and i'm like all right starting off strong wait hold on is that scene a flash a flash forward then it's I, a flash um, forward yeah because we haven't gotten to that part yet then yeah that's what's weird because uh, is it I, i'm not i'm not sure i'm confused well the thing about it is this series it has an almost dreamlike quality to it, and I get strong sort of Alice in Wonderland, like trying to navigate puberty vibes from the series. And that might be a flash forward of a scene we haven't seen yet. It might have literally happened later in the story, but um, to me is a perfect representation of basically what the first story beat of the story is. Sex and violence, yeah. More so the interaction, the relationship between the two main characters. I didn't really read it as super literal. Um, and again, it might actually literally happen later on in the story. But like, I sort of, I sort of saw it as a representation of the sort of like feeling of uh, the two characters. Because uh, as we'll see later, uh, that is very representative of the way that they act in stressful situations. 
yeah, that's that it's very emblematic of just their entire dynamic, which is quite the kind of whiplash as uh, we leave that scene of strange violence to um, the same young boy uh, sitting in an office with an adult who is uh, wondering why he doesn't want to basically accept this academic accolade that will give him a leg up in life. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. I just want to keep my options open. Ah, yes, of course, I see. But that's not actually the case. Uh, this is our protagonist? Our perspective character. Uh, perspective character, I think, is better because it's pretty arguable that the uh, the other main character is the protagonist. <laughs> that's like saying Knight Rider is the protagonist. You see, there was a there was a uh, TV show in the 80s called Knight Rider where <laughs> David Hasselhoff <laughs> drove a sentient car named Kit. <laughs> I get the joke, Matt. <laughs> it's just, it took a second to process. Just like, wait, he's right. <laughs> the, this is our, pr our perspective character, uh, Shuichi Kagaya, who is your classic uh, high achievement, no ambition combo. Doesn't really know what he wants to do with his life. Just keeps his head down and uh, coasts along. And I want to I want to get this out of the way right now. The art in this is generally OK. It's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Shuichi, something about his face and the way he's drawn, particularly in scenes where he's like doing a, a high energy reaction to something. It has such mid 2000s energy. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> this this is the drawing I did of my Maple Story character. Don't hate yourself, Sam. Suichi has all the flags of a um, edgy teenager self-insert. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, man, I'm so good at school. Almost too much so, to the point where, like, before I was able to really conceptualize the art, I thought it was, like, legitimately some kind of, like, self-insert from, like, someone's fan fiction. It was weird. It was a weird first, like, opening chapter. Yeah, because it's just him, you know, being uh, good at school and, you know, hanging around being fairly popular. And uh thought he was being bullied. He kind of is. He's either being yeah. ignored or bullied. Like, he wasn't a target of bullying, but he definitely, at least, like, my perception was that he wasn't particularly popular. Like, honestly, he would blend into the background very easily. He has at least a couple of friends is the thing. Mm -hmm. We don't really get to see much detail of the various interactions he has with his peers is the thing. It looks like, a, you know, a group of, group of guys slapping each other on the back. Hey, uh, Kagaya, how's it going, man? It looks like that, but uh, it isn't. Hey, until... Kagaya, you're doing great, buddy. You're doing your mama proud. <laughs> you got that recommendation from the principal. You're going to go far. Hey, what's the matter? We going to go play some dual monsters and eat some nice lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing telling the girl her panties to show and we could have stayed longer what's the matter with you Jinochi get out of here you're in the wrong manga <laughs> Jinochi would fit in so well in this manga in this, in this manga yes yes he would Ooh, Yugi also wouldn't be out of place either if this is in the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe, I wouldn't be stunned. I wouldn't predict it, but it wouldn't shock me either. You don't understand. Pegasus invented this new kind of duel monster that he keeps in these discs, but a swipe <laughs> was shot down and they're scattered all over. We need to collect the duel monsters. But little did you know that when you take it, there's an ancient shadow curse that turns you into your duel monster. Oh no! 
God, that does sound like a Yu-Gi-Oh spinoff, doesn't it? I'm going to cry. That's some, that's some Yu-Gi-Oh filler. Yeah. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> so before Jake gets too distraught, Tsumichi's uh, just playing some gotcha games when uh, we get our first hint of the supernatural as uh, he smells a fire on the wind. Before, before we get to that point, can we can we talk about how he's just alone in a classroom and girl who only shows up for Shuichi to make really uncomfortable shows up? <laughs> Poor Mifune. How you doing? He's like, I'm going to say something really edgy and not explain to you the context, so you'll just be very concerned. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> I'm just so nice to you. What are you doing? <laughs> Poor Mifune. She's trying so hard. This weird loner kid. I'm just trying to be friends with him. But he keeps saying existential nonsense. <laughs> Freaking conversation. Conversation. <laughs> the the <laughs> rant Shuichi goes on in her direction later. <laughs> uh, but uh, before we get there, he smells a fire on the wind. Cut to him being at the fire. And then cut to a wide shot showing the light of the fire, like halfway up a mountain. Yeah. How did he get there that fast? Oh yeah, because boys got superpowers, which is how he smells a hot girl inside the fire. Maybe your sense of smell just isn't that sharp, Sam. Wait, Sam, are you saying you can't smell attractive women from miles away? Wait, is that normal? No, no, I Wait, can't do that. What? Matt, Matt, do we need to talk? Did you find a weird coin and give it to a handsome alien? Who didn't? No, but if I, maybe someone else did. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, did you find a weird coin to give it to a handsome alien to transform Matt? If only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, anyway, uh, Shuichi decides to reveal to the audience is really how it's presented uh, his superpower of turning into a mascot costume. That's not a joke or a meme. It's literally true. There's a monster inside of me. Turns into a weird teddy bear. Particularly a costume as opposed to a teddy bear, because yeah. initially I also thought it was a teddy bear, but no, it is literally, as we'll find later, just the costume. He's a persona character. <laughs> it, is furry culture as big in Japan? Oh my god, don't or, bring the furry. Or did the monka not know what they did? It is a deviant art OC fursuit. I don't know. I it's... feel like because mascots in Japan are a thing, mm -hmm. like it's literally like a career for various, you know, um the equivalent of counties, but like mascots are pretty big. So I mean it's not it doesn't yeah, exactly like... It doesn't always have the same connotation. It's just, like there, there's also the really strong navigating puberty vibes of the series. I don't think it's unreasonable to uh, come to the other conclusion. But yeah, I think it is. I think it is more supposed to be. And like they do call it out as a mascot costume pretty regularly. Are we supposed mm -hmm. to make the connection that all furries are like emotionally stunted or emotionally? <laughs> I'm just pointing out. No one is making a claim that anyone in this is actually a furry. I'm just wondering if the mangaka had any idea that could be realized the implication. Way. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. But that is that is an un, probably unintended implication. Yes, mm -hmm. it makes it more interesting now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I like the unintended uh, implication that um, Shuichi is a sheep that becomes wolf's clothing. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even notice that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's too much of an like English idiom that I'm going to assume that was on purpose, but it's yeah, it's, it's a fun connection. It's unintentional, but it's good. Yeah, he's like this weird patchwork dog thing. 
I said uh, DeviantArt Persona, but actually he looks like a Five Nights at Freddy's character. So DeviantArt Persona. But <laughs> <laughs> he uses his superpowers to punch through a wall uh, to create uh, an escape for himself and the girl who is burning in the flames. And uh, yeah. girl, ha girl has been passed out this entire time, or at least appears to be, because as uh, Shuichi is carrying her out, you know, firemen's carry over the shoulder. <laughs> as he is thinking in the narration, it's not like anyone saw me or anything. She is like eyes eye wide open. open. Not even eyes peeping open. She's just eyes wide open, like looking at him like, what the hell? This manga definitely has a running theme of like violation. And he's got like this oh, yeah. weird secondary moment where this like intrusive thought of, you know, I can do whatever I want to her. And then like inside, he's like, why the hell would I think that? It was there long enough that he's suddenly like super guilty about that. And Shuichi's guilty about everything. We find out he, coming up. He did start partially undressing her while she was uh, at this point, mm -hmm. you know, pretending to be unconscious again. Uh, but he, you know, reigns it in like, what the hell? No, I'm getting out of here. And he flees. It's very uncomfortable and it's framed to be uncomfortable, which I really uh -huh. appreciated. Uh, given the characters' ages, there's a lot of leering in this manga, but it gives me more of a it gives me more of a the character's headspace vibes than a the author the author jerking it. Than a like titillation for the audience vibes. Yeah. Well, I tried to phrase it a little bit more uh, <laughs> nicely, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Diplomatically. Look, th there are so many uh, camera shots of just between girls' legs that I'm like, okay. Oh, well, but that's also that's also used as a like that's in film language. Like that's that mm -hmm. specifically means something. And there is a lot of a lot of cases where it will leer on uh, characters. You're meant to like the one who it happens to the most is like uh, Shuichi will be like, man, I, I'm a teenage boy and I'm OK with boobs, but I am very uncomfortable with the situation that's going on right. I'm not going to make the claim that uh, Gleipnir isn't provocative and sexy. I'm just right. saying there's also a strong undercurrent in it of sexuality. And like, it's definitely not always portrayed like great. There's a lot of negative portrayals of sexuality in this, as opposed to something like Monmu, which is just like, how many boobs can we fit on a page? This is like, hey, do you feel really uncomfortable in this scene? <laughs> you should. <laughs> Everyone else sure does. Have we transgressed your sensibilities yet? Have we have we crossed the line as we intended to? Yeah, no. And um, it, it does a good job of putting you in Shuichi's headspace because he's at least for me, it did a good job of making me feel the way Shuichi did, because there were a lot of most of the time it was it was making me um, feel vicariously uncomfortable, you know, through the lens of Shuichi. But there were also cases where when he actually started to assert himself and get his feet under him, you know, he, he does that occasionally uh, throughout our reading. I felt that sort of sense of confidence. He's a very relatable character in that regard it gets you into a headspace and you kind of have to be ready for it but uh it mm -hmm. it it gets you there very quickly it, it knows what it is and i really appreciated it for that uh girl from last night uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> very yeah. awkward the, you know the 
You know, the girl from last Metaphors? night. Metaphors? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, where the hell is my phone? I can't find my phone. Oh, crap. I left it behind, didn't I? As he's saying in his own head, it's a good thing there's no evidence that I was at the where did my phone go? Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's very on the nose. There, I mean, like, again, there's sort of a dreamlike quality to it where it's like, what a coincidence that, you know, he's thinking about uh, that there's no evidence when he realizes his phone's missing. There, It's very non-literal and cerebral. And, and then, of course, uh, we find out where the phone actually went. Uh-huh, because uh, the girl, Claire, we find out her name is, uh, she took the phone and is now blackmailing him. Okay. So insert speculation. So Matt and I were discussing this earlier, but the fact that there is a little bit of like, um, I don't want to say surprise about her being named Claire. They're like, Claire, that's actually your name. And my first thought was that, was it, were they trying to insert the Gaijin trope of she's a foreigner? Or something because we later mm. find out that she's blonde haired blue eyes and compared to her sister who i guess would be conveyed as more traditional japanese having a more traditional japanese name and everything you're just kind mm -hmm. of like i don't know that was just an initial thought and uh, matt speculated that perhaps she wasn't a fan baby or something oh i could i could very much see that She's got an awful lot of self-hate going on and very weird feelings towards her parents, which feels like it could be a teenager's way of grappling with that knowledge. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Weird feelings you don't understand might as well be the tagline of this manga. <laughs> In other words, just name it teenagers. Just just teendom. That is all that is. Oh, yeah. No, that's honestly... That's sort of the reason why I was okay with all of the tra transgressing, because this is like the teenage experience in manga form. It's well, like it's really amazing for that. The, the very next scene, like, really illustrates how just weird this manga is, because he's like, oh, no, she's got my phone. She's blackmailing me. Well, she's got gym next period. So that means she has to, like, keep it in her locker. And we cut to him getting a boner while sniffing her shirt. And he's like... Why the hell am I doing this? This isn't what I came here to do. It's just uncomfortable. Oh, and dear listener, you should have done the reading, but don't think Matt is exaggerating when he says getting a boner. The manga gives us a panel of his crotch, and I'm just like, okay, manga? It doesn't, it doesn't want you to be okay with go, what's going on on screen because the characters aren't okay with it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, if you're familiar and... I, I have expressed this in a separate conversation, but if you're familiar with our, our previous episodes, um, particularly about Don to Don, there's very much this energy. There is context, but also does not need context. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, Claire <laughs> had the phone on her person. I guess those uh, One Piece school swimsuits are very watertight because she had the phone in her... Uh, in her cleavage. So the worst part is I can, and I can verify this, unfortunately. Those are pretty watertight. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> you could hide a phone in your tits and it would still work afterwards. Yes. Amazing. What will they think of next? Groundbreaking <laughs> research only found on the Overmanga cast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's appropriate to say I enjoyed like the first third of this manga a lot because I don't know if I liked it, but goddamn, it made me feel things. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind <laughs> of it's that kind of it wasn't fun, but it was it was really powerful and made 
I think I think it's fair to say enjoy because like there's sort of like a like a negative enjoyment sort of thing that you get from like, for example, like a tragedy or a horror. And this I mean, you know, we're we're doing it in October for a reason. It has very strong horror vibes because uh, the next scene where Shuichi goes to uh, confront Claire on the roof because uh, you got to have a, con- a confrontation on a roof. This is a manga in a high school. <laughs> and she is on the other side of the safety railing on the like on the like six foot uh rim outer rib of concrete <laughs> uh just kind of kicking her legs over the edge and shuichi's trying to play it off like oh yeah you you uh picked up my phone thanks for that could you give it back now uh yeah here let me put it down on the other side of this safety rail on this dangerous ledge I don't know if the perspective is messing with me, but it does look like he could probably reach his arm through the bars and grab the phone. But no, boy climbs over the edge and gets on the the uh, the precipitous roof with with her. Uh, Emotionally, he's on the edge. Like I said, there's very strong dream qualities to this. The heavy hand of symbolism. What, what this entire argument is, is he has convinced himself that he can pretend it didn't happen and he can convince her that it didn't happen. Shuichi is basically motivated by guilt by everything he does in this first giant chunk. And like this entire uh-huh. thing is, yeah, I really messed up. Uh, I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. I'm going to tell her it didn't happen. Oh, good. She seems to have accepted that it didn't happen. And right as he's grabbing his phone, it's like, you know, it was weird. That monster tried to rape me. And he's then like looking back and like, what? She kicks him off the roof. I mean, don't you? <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, fair. I, I, I mean, I, just I, prove you're not a monster and I won't kick you off the roof. You there's, know. Well, there's strong Salem witch trial uh, vibes <laughs> to that. <laughs> you, you can prove you're not a monster if you splat and die. <laughs> Whoops. I will deliver you your eulogy. He was not a monster, for he splat off the roof. For a half a second, for a half a second, I'm like, oh, I guess we're not doing the Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer thing. And then she kicked him off, and I'm like, well, <laughs> he survived the fall by turning into a monster. So I guess we didn't really do the Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer thing, or we did it in reverse. Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer is a wholesome love story of outsiders finding family in each other. This is... Not that. <laughs> yeah, this is this is oh, abuse. This is abuse all the way down. <laughs> he transforms into the mon- into uh, the mascot costume to save himself, and she snaps a picture of it. So he Hulk jumps back up there, <laughs> and she's like, "Ah, oh, cool. That that was hot." Anyway, you wanna you wanna talk about what happened last night? No. <laughs> you want me to get really uncomfortably close to you as we talk about what happened last night how i like monsters like you hey is that gun real do you want me to keep touching your gun Ooh. <laughs> he's he's got a he's got a gun in a holster <laughs> and she's fondling it yeah i it's not subtle it's not subtle it's not trying to be subtle because the less it's so I, creepy I, too is a thing like it's not <laughs> she's got him in a dark corner yeah, I think we were about to basically say the same thing. Uh, the fact that it's so unsubtle makes it even more uncomfortable because the metaphor isn't hiding the meaning. It's making it more clear. You you really get the impression, at least at this point, that like she's the main villain of the story is the is the uh, very heavy implication that it gives you. The actual uh, truth of that statement will waffle depending on uh, the page, really. Uh, but um. <laughs> Yeah, and, and uh, the lack of subtlety continues as uh, 
He's just like, okay, fine, I get it. I'm sorry, please stop. It's like, no, I'm not going to stop until I find out the secret of that body of yours. And if you don't, I'll tell everyone what happened. It's like, okay, lady, we get it. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the uh, she wants to find out the secrets of his body again. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> this is definitely this is definitely not a puberty metaphor. De- definitely not that. No, not even slightly. Weird themes of transformation and intimacy. Not a puberty metaphor at all. <laughs> a constant running theme of violation and being pushed past your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> Oh, it's like Alice in Wonderland, but even more horror themed. Yep. So Alice, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that's that's what I'm saying. If you thought Alice in Wonderland didn't go far enough, then you have Clipmare. So I believe it's the weekend when we uh, when we go to uh, Claire's house. Claire wants to uh, learn more about Shuichi's body and then proceeds to... Strip. This, yeah, this is, yeah, she strips first here because she does that a lot. Uh, uh-huh. And then she sexually assaults him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she does that. It's, it's it's extremely uncomfortable. As they were making their way uh, to her place, uh, she she's like, do you know anything about this weird coin? No. And uh, that's a setup for another character arriving. But uh, she's like, yeah, so I want to find out more about this weird coin and these monsters. You know, I'm looking for my older sister. Uh, she's a monster like you. She killed our parents. And the entire time she's doing this, she's like pressing him against a wall, grabbing his crotch. And I'm like... Okay, I don't. I don't think we need this. I don't think we need it. Okay, no, nope, no, we're just gonna keep going. Yeah, thank God for the. Uh, <laughs> thank God for the antagonist showing up. Yeah, no, I mean that's actually something that Glipnir will do pretty regularly. Is that it takes its own like thing too far, and then it will have something else happen. It's a it's a very risky way of writing a story. And in all honesty, like it, I could see this story like transgressing too far for a lot of readers. But I mean, mm-hmm. by this. You get this far and you know if you're on board with Glipnir. Uh, it, it it has its line that it will go up to and, you know, it, it goes that far really early on. I think the first chapter really sets up where it's planning to go. Like, yeah, you get yeah, a it, lot in that first chapter. It, it's good about saying um, this is how transgressive we're going to get. This is the point. If you're not about it, you know, it was nice seeing you. But we basically get like, I mean, honestly, she feels like a character out of a completely different manga with with complete intention. She feels like a shonen antagonist who's going to get uh, defeat equals friendship later. They build her like that from the ground up, uh, from the character design to the uh, backstory flashback we get of her. <laughs> right as the uh, implications are reaching their uh, maximum bad, she appears on the balcony and, and uh, demands the coin. Because... Uh, they are several stories up, so her being on the balcony is uh, quite shocking. Poor Shuichi is a little slow on the uptake because he's like, wait a minute, she's on the balcony. Shuichi, fight her, she's our enemy. Enemy, what the hell are you talking about? Play! As he gets uh, <laughs> knocked down. Uh, we get a, a quick fight scene. Shuichi might have super strength, but uh, he he is not a fighter at all in the least. He gets the drop on uh, the invader who then shows that uh, she is also a monster, transforms and kicks the crap out of him quite literally because she's got hella legs. Mm -hmm. And and no compunctions about violence. (laughs) And uh, uh, Shuichi basically uh, grabs Claire and, and ditches after Claire maces the baddie in the eye. And Claire like is yelling at Shuichi to kill her. And he's just like, no, I'm going to be a scared little boy and run out the window. No, he's, he's 
the person is incapacitated and he doesn't want to be a murderer. So he's like, I'm leaving and grabbing Claire with me. So I'm not leaving her in danger. This is the start of where we uh, really start. Like we start to see the shades of a more complete picture of Claire as a character, because one thing I can't help but notice is that there are a lot of cases where Claire makes really smart, really sensible decisions, but she has this near constant undercurrent of like the worst nastiest self-destructive uh behaviors and i i wouldn't have pegged that like you know that she's like the the product of an affair or anything like that like i didn't have a guess on what her problems were but like especially with some of the stuff that she says later i, I can't help but feel the the deepest pity for her because like like she's crying for help the character similar in a lot of ways to shuichi they show it through her actions that she's a character with all the potential in the world that is just in the absolute worst place and on a path to destruction you know and the and the fact that like here's this here's this insane sur supernatural situation which to be fair we we learn later that she's seen this sort of thing before but mm -hmm. she's in this insane supernatural situation and just does like she doesn't hesitate she she acts she is uh intelligent and but then there's this okay we've incapacitated her time to murder her now no claire that's not the right thing to do that's not the correct response in this situation it's you interesting you say that because i kind of like kind of what you're alluding to is the fact that claire's life has i mean we don't know for sure has thus far been completely completely comprised of chaos and disorder and negative mm -hmm. feelings and pain so this is kind of just a r rational extension of that so perhaps mm -hmm. that's why her her guard is is she's not so guarded she's not so apprehensive of this it's just that this is logical this is rational it's a way to act out the pain and suffering she's potentially her natural response is kill or be killed yeah, yeah this this absurd supernatural situation is more normal than my supposedly mundane home life therefore i can simply act and like like honestly it, it fills me with this really deep sadness for her it's extremely subtle, but it's really strong characterization for her. And this is this is her through the entire manga. And this is also why I say it it fluctuates whether she's the main antagonist or not, because it kind of depends on whether or not Lipnir has a happy ending. Either she is the main antagonist and it's going to end very, very sad or she's not. And it's going to and, you know, they're going to be sad for a different reason. Well, mm -hmm. Yeah, but they'll like they'll like be able to get through this and they'll be, uh, you know, where we go from here kind of ending. It's really, it, 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 it's really captivating which way it will end up going. Yeah, Claire's a really uh, interesting character with a lot of depth. Uh, now, uh, are you ready for the symbolism about how Shuichi has no depth? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, it's almost like, and I, I know this is a character trope, but I also feel like this is on purpose because, I mean, there is... A level where you want the protagonist or the supposed protagonist put in a level of relatability so mm -hmm. i mean the point and this is part of the assertion why i think that he's not necessarily popular he's certainly not outright bullied i mean there's bullying there's he has a few friends here and there he's supposed to be like average he's supposed to like solicit an average response he's an average Teen. he doesn't have that drive that stereotypically perhaps the protagonist has you yeah. know whether he wants uh, higher no, he, education he he fits in is 
is the thing. He's not like your traditional like manga protagonist who is too cool to interact with people and maybe has like a few casual friends. He genuinely just fits into the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I think you're alluding to, Jay, is he's a he's a self insert. You can literally insert yourself into like. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. my gosh! I ju- I just had a head explosion. <laughs> it doesn't get much more audience insert than a, an actual empty shell that can have things inserted into it. Yes, and this becomes very obvious to us by his own admission. <laughs> The characters almost say it out loud. <laughs> there, okay, there, there are two characters who almost say that out loud. Okay, so so let's just stop beating around the bush. Uh, after escaping from Runner Girl. I don't think she ever gets a name. They definitely don't ask her for it. <laughs> yeah, so I just call her Runner Girl. Uh, I guess for a flashback. But Clara's just like, okay, we got to get ready for when she's going to come back and try to kill us. So, hey, you've got a zipper on the back. We, we need some sort of reason for why this is happening. Let me undo your zipper, and there's nothing inside. You're empty. Wait a second. I love the <laughs> whole, like, back and forth they have about, like, you've got a zipper on your back. That's got to be for, like, some cool power-up or something. It's got, like, the energy of that Rick and Morty Death Stranding commercial where they're just like, <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. There's got to be a reason for this. What if, what if we eat the baby? Maybe we'll give you, like, a power-up or something. Yeah, let's maybe, do it. <laughs> or, or maybe you'll just eat the baby because, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, that's sort of why I say that Runner Girl uh, is, like, like she's designed like she's going to be, like, the defeat equals friendship shonen rival who's going to join the team. Because, like, they treat the first half of that battle like it's that. Claire realizes, hmm, there's enough space in here to fit a person. I'm going to try something out. And then the, uh, the, the the puberty metaphor gets even more literal. Yep. It's actually not this one. <laughs> the, the, the next time they do this, it gets worse. Um, oh, yeah. Talking about that theme of violation, that's for next time. But, uh, well, it's also this time. Because Runner Girl shows up, just sees, you know, Shuichi standing there. And it's like, where did that you maced me go? And uh, Shuichi <laughs> flips her off. And it's like, okay, you want to go then, punk? And uh, immediately gets frickin' clobbered. It's clobbering time. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, the fight kicks off. They're trading blows. And the entire time this is happening, uh, we get narration of, I'm feeling pain, the sensation of punching someone, but this is just a dream, right? And it cuts to Shuichi just naked, huddled in the fetal position in a black void, talking about how... There's nothing he can do. It's obviously not his responsibility. And I'm like, yeah, the the rape metaphors are pretty obvious. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah. (laughs) Literally, it doesn't get much more obvious than literally having someone controlling your body against your will to do something you don't want. Because uh, as we've alluded to, Claire has gone inside the mascot suit and is piloting him like a mecha. And she defeats and then brutalizes runner girl breaking her leg in a very terrible scene again the the things i've been alluding to about her being like the shonen rival character if it was that kind of manga the fight would have ended before the leg break and shuichi realizes oh this is where the bad stuff stops happening right and then claire using his body just breaks her leg and keeps going like 
Like the fight, if Shuichi was in control, would have been your like shonen manga nonsense. Claire has no interest in being a shonen manga protagonist. Because that's not sensible. You know, she gets tossed aside like a broken ragdoll and is left there crying. And that's when we get the flashback of her uh, of her backstory, Runner Girl. And actually, we do get her name in the flashback. She's Hikawa. Uh, ah. She she was a member of the track team, but she got cut from the competition team because she uh, couldn't keep up. And that, you know, broke her dreams of going to college on a sports scholarship. So she decided to follow a rumor of an old vending machine out by a ruined love hotel that if you put a weird coin in, something magical will happen. Get your wish granted. Again, wish wishes granted at a love hotel as if this isn't on the nose enough already. <laughs> uh-huh. But she puts the coin in and a handsome boy pops out. Yeah, I was about to say, there's another weird kind of like dreamlike quality when we see the love hotel. It was built like it was like... um. Uh, like the love hotel is built like it's a castle yeah and suddenly you've got this boy coming out of here like prince charming like i mean the love hotel is called fairy tale yeah like and he pops out of the vending machine and comes over to her like allow me to repay the favor and next page she's running like lightning uh is getting back on the track team and transforming into a monster but obviously this means she needs more coins for more power it then cuts back to her getting her leg snapped. <laughs> uh-huh. But, uh, you know, bolstered by her uh, flashback, she says she can't die there. And Claire picks her up by the head, says, I feel the same way, pulls out the gun, and executes her. In just... It is very brutal and very uncompromising. Oh, and then she just, like unzips and like steps out of Shuichi like phew I did what I needed to do and she's way too happy about it oh, meanwhile Shuichi is crump she, she's gloating in her victory she did what she needed to do she's stepping out you know she's in a tank top and her panties she's covered in goo because she was inside an organic being and like flow uh, you know like uh unmessing her hair, stepping out, smiling, gloating. And it's just, it's really, really gross. Yeah, it's insanely gross. I mean, to say this, because this is my initial thoughts, I initially got Ava like vibes from this. Mm. And it was just like a combination of like Ava and the like, darling and the Franks. And it was just like, uh, yeah. it's culminating, guys, only in the but grossest way. This is Frank's if it was both more and less on the nose. <laughs> You're not wrong. I was talking about this with another group of friends, and I'm like, yeah, so there. Uh, so this entire manga is basically just one big metaphor about, uh, you know, sex and puberty and coming of age. And one of my friends responded, yes, yeah, Sam, I've read a mecha before. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's an attack, but it's, it's a justified attack. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> as a Gundam fan, it's not inaccurate. <laughs> But uh, next chapter, um, Shuichi's just returned to his normal life. Yeah, I'm like, hey, if the metaphor wasn't clear enough to you in the last chapter, maybe you got distracted by the cool shonen action battle. Uh, uh, I understand. I, I totally understand that. He's now pretending the night he had with this girl wasn't happening. He's desperately avoiding interacting with her. And then he freaks out because he founds out she had snuck her, her number into his phone. And she... She's now confronting him in front of his friends. 
Mm-hmm. It's a metaphor. She, she's in his contacts with a heart emoji. Oh, it is. Uh, with, yeah, with, so- with complete intention, very, very gross. Dude, they're dating now. She is declared. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's real gross. Yeah. <laughs> At no point has Shuichi made this decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like, why didn't you answer your phone? You should, uh, you should answer the phone if I'm calling you. Yeah, they're dating now. And uh, then we get a... <sighs> We get a panel of them after school talking about what happened and she's probing her own ass like, oh, God, I could feel your emotions when that was happening. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, Claire is screwed up to uh, the nth degree if it wasn't already obvious. She uh-huh. just took off horny or something. Well, and, and she's like, something. I think that's a more apt description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, because I mean, the thing is, it it's. The manga is very clear that, like, this is not okay. She is not okay. This is this is something that is meant to be... Like, and not, not to say that, like, you know, you shouldn't... Because this this panel is juxtaposed directly next to Suichi has, like, a three-panel thing of, like, you forced me to kill someone! Like, th- this is not a happy thing! <laughs> the big thing I think that's important is that it's portrayed in such a way that you're you're kind of meant to pity how screwed up Claire is, but it also never puts on the illusion that you should like forgive her for the violation she's committed. Yeah, yeah I was I was like, about to say any any pity I had for Claire was done after she forced Suichi to murder someone. Like yeah. it's one of those ones where it's like, I can't help but be sad for the loss of innocence, but like you can't. You can't. Like, it doesn't make what she does okay. This is actually where we get into a little bit more where a lot of Claire's problems come from. She, you know, talks about her family and how her sister killed her parents. And, like, there's this whole big sob story. And it's like, boy, that sure is sad. You're still awful, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, but we, you know what we get with that sob story? We get, like, one page, which is, frankly, it's an amazing page. It's probably one of my favorite, like, single pages in anything we've read. It's the flashback to what they did last night. It's completely without dialogue. It is Runner Girl's body in a hole. They dump some gasoline on her. Claire, completely unemotional, lights a match and throws it on her and watches the body burn as Shuichi is doubled over crying. That actually reminds me of something important because we actually skipped a really important element of Claire's character that sets her up for like the entire rest of this. Because um, during the scene where Claire initially confronts Shuichi about being a monster, Shuichi tries to leverage, I saved your life, doesn't that count for something? And she says, yeah, you sure did ruin my suicide attempt. Like, the the way that Claire interacts with death is just so wrong. She's got, like, this ideal idolization of death. Like, it's like... For her, it's a desirable outcome of things. She has an edgy teenager's mentality of death. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it's it's clearly brought upon by trauma, which is really sad. And, it you know, it made me feel really sad. But the manga does, does a good thing of not letting you forgive her for letting that turn her into... She's way more of a monster than Shuichi is. I mean, like, I, that, almost, that almost seems, like, almost too blunt to say. Like, that's so, that's so obvious, but, like, it, like, clearly, you know, like, her trauma made her into a monster, whereas, you know, Shuichi might literally physically be a supernatural being, but he has no idea why it even happened in the first place. He just woke up one morning like that. Claire's whole thing right now 
is she understands Shuichi is unhappy with what happened last night. She probably even feels some degree of empathy and probably even acknowledges she is the source of some of that, like, unhappiness. All of that does not matter to her, even slightly, compared to how she felt last night, which was powerful. Mm -hmm. That's all she cares about. Like, when she's talking to Shuichi, she's like, yeah, no, that was really messed up, but you don't understand. Those people are trying to kill us. And the only way we can stop them is if we join together and then we're going to be so goddamn powerful. And it's just like, you keep pretending you care, Claire. You keep pretending you care. And then you uh-huh. fall back into, I'm doing what I want for me. And I'm going to gaslight you into thinking we're a team. Mm-hmm. Maybe the girl who attempted uh, suicide, you know, being put in the decisions about going into deadly combat isn't making those decisions for entirely rational reasons. Yeah, and she does like the abuser playbook too. It's like two steps of beat beat Suichi down, beat Suichi down, give him a fraction of kindness, beat him down, kindness, beat him down again. Mm -hmm. There's also the aspect of we know she's suicidal. And then there's that aspect of now she's like way too jazzed about this whole, you know, monster mascot costume, you know, we'll fight together thing. She doesn't feel like she has the least bit of control in her life. And again, it's one of those ones where it does a good job of it doesn't ever forgive her Mm -hmm. because she's still she's still the victimizer in this situation. And like, that's the thing, too, is. Because that's what eventually wins Shuichi over to, like, being on her side. Is they're in a, like, I love the cut of, like, they put, like, oh, like, it's this cover splat page of, like, them, like, in, she's in lingerie riding him like a tiger into battle or something. And that's clearly to, like. That imagery. There's, like, and it's there to indicate, like, there's a long gap of time because, like, it's a different time of day and they're in like an abandoned warehouse and Shuichi says like I don't know if I can trust you this is insane what you did was incredibly violating Dude, I'm kind this of forced to interact literally with a walking red flag <laughs> yep yeah but what she does is she's just like oh well no we're in this together and I want you to know I die for you you want me to prove it? I'll go do it right now. And I'm just screaming, Suichi, she's already suicidal. That promise means nothing. That's yeah. something she wants. She's offering to pay you with the thing she wants. I'm just mm-hmm. saying this is literally where there were alarms going off in my head of like Mirai Nikki vibes. It's just like, oh I... God, not this again. And, and like the thing is, Suichi doesn't I... want that. He's crying because she almost hurt herself because he doesn't want her to die. But but that's because of basic human empathy. Maybe a little Stockholm syndrome. And it's just it's 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 one of these series that is just the culmination of all the things in others past series I've either read or watched that just made me cringe. And I just see it and I'm like, oh, my gosh, no. Yeah, I don't think it's any surprise that uh, I fucking hate Claire at this point in the reading. <laughs> I despise her so much. I wish he didn't catch her. I'm just saying, Sam, you have a type. I'm just saying. But what? also, no. I... <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> that bullshit. 
I don't know. I kind of had my own um, kind of feelings about Claire. I was not too, I didn't exactly pick up on the, you know, emotional and psychological damage aspects. I just thought she was very one dimensional and maybe even two dimensional. She had obviously ulterior motives, but I mean, it just got to the point where she was trying the same tactics and I'm just like, wow, you really got nothing else in, in your, you know, utility belt here, girl. Like, constantly stripping, constantly saying, I want to be one, and constantly threatening to, like, or trying to encourage him to kill her. Like, I'm just, like, I feel like this is, like, a cut and paste from so many different... But here's the thing. Like, the constantly stripping stops working on Shuichi. That's the thing. She is running out of things to try. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, if you're that girl at a party who just constantly strips down naked, after, like, the third time, it stops having the desired effect, and you're just that crazy chick. Yeah. It, yeah, and that's... You're that's right, and that's what happened in the manga. <laughs> It's like, oh, great, Claire's naked again. For me, the like my perspective on Claire is it is so, so, so sad to see victim become victimizer. Claire is just a walking tragedy to me and and really well done in so far as that. There's a part of me that wants to see her get better, but also kind of knows that's not how it works. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like, like there, there's the optimistic part in me that that wants to believe that there's hope for Claire, but the realist in me is not convinced. Certainly not as far as we read. There, there is, there is the hope that she at least Suichi becomes uh, cognizant enough to stop the cycle of abuse. With that, we get to the end of Volume One, which ends on like a weird six months in the past flashback where we uh-huh. cut back to um, Prince Charming at the Love Hotel and this uh, girl with like scraggly black hair kind of comes up, black gloves. She's got a little keychain of the mascot that Shuichi turns into. And she pays her coin. He's just like, hey, yeah, I can grant wishes. I can have you become whatever you want. And she's just like, could, could you make someone else? Could I make my wish for someone else to become something? P- Prince Charming Alien's just like, I guess. Yeah, I don't care. I've got no morals. He doesn't say that, but that's my, that's my reading. Um, <laughs> he comes very close to saying that. That is basically his personality, yes. He even says out loud, that's really presumptuous of you, but if that's what you want. (laughs) Ah, wonderful. There's someone I want to be with. And cut to Shuichi. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This poor man! This this poor man, six months ago, had a creepy stalker that doesn't care about his consent. Like, And now... (laughs) There's another one. Uh, it gets even worse when we learn who Creepy Stalker is. Yeah. I'm just, yep. I mean, this obviously doesn't go outside of this particular um, artwork, but in this manga, definitely consent is a social construct. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. we've also mentioned, like, just the vague, like, theme of violation is a strong running thing throughout everything here. Like, it's... Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, people's morals are violated in terms of like every like there's a lot going on shuichi's body gets violated a lot and we'll get to uh the latest rendition of that after a brief uh interstitial with prince charming at uh, the start of uh volume two where he's got one of the 
one of the coins, uh, he realizes it doesn't show up in photographs, so I guess only living conscious beings can detect them. Ah well, don't worry my friends, I'm sure you'll all be found. The people on this planet are really nice. Uh. <laughs> Prince Charming's such a cool guy. <laughs> He's, he is a cool character. But like most of the other characters in this, I don't think I like him. There's a uh, there's a beauty being skin deep. That's also uh, even thinner metaphor than being skin deep. Then we cut back to Clara's house. She's stripping again in possibly the most like just fan servicey way that we read, which is is kind of the point because it gives you like this beachy vibe and like oh nope shenanigans are happening. And then it cuts to Shuichi just going like no you really fucked up. <laughs> I'm not dealing with this like yeah this is this is actually where we get the Shuichi being no I'm done with this this is not this is not shocking anymore you've played that card too many times mm -hmm. you're currently forcing me to interact with you but I'm not gonna be happy about it why the hell are you stripping anyway well it's really stuffy inside of you and besides, there's that gooey fluid that gets all over me, so let me just get out of my panties and bra as well, and now let's become one, and stop! Put on your damn swimsuit! I laughed at this panel so much, it's a really <laughs> funny panel. <laughs> let's become one. No! It's exhausting, because it is, it is trying to transgress your sensibilities. So, like, there's this, there's this moment of, of, I don't want to say sanity breaking through, but it's like, just stop already! You're screwed up, we get it. Like, like again, they're sort of like putting you in the headspace of Shuichi, like, okay, I get it. And like, it, Shuichi it, does the sensible thing, and it's just like, just, just wear a swimsuit. That seems to solve all your problems. And Claire, being the abuser she is, immediately goes, wow, you're really into this weird kinky stuff, aren't you? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, Claire, what is this gaslighting bullshit? <laughs> It, it's like Jay says, she only knows a couple of songs. Oh, and in, um, in case the metaphor wasn't clear in the heat of battle, um, they're going to practice piloting him again. Here's that uh, that very obvious situation or that very obvious metaphor of uh, Shuichi's body being violated. She goes and, you know, steps into the suit. Uh, we get a vision of her foot literally spearing through his chest with a with a kind of a stabby noise on Monopia and him going, ah, God, and the entire time he's like grunting and groaning like this is very uncomfortable. I'm just saying like another another part of me wants to say that this is definitely someone's fetish. She literally says I'll be gentle. Yes, I mean, yeah. there are some there are certain certain gentlemen who have a fetish of women stepping on them. This could be a personification of that fetish. Is all I'm saying. I mean, Vor exists. Vor is the name of the fetish of this chapter. <laughs> oh, yeah. If we're just yes. going to stop beating around the bush. <laughs> uh huh. Hey, hey. No. No, no, that's what it is. <laughs> but I think the important thing is that it's not, it's doing that in an intentionally uncomfortable way. Like, it's not trying to be that. Well, like, at, at that one point, Claire literally goes, it's like someone else is controlling my body. It feels gross. And Shuichi just goes, yeah, tell me about it. Like, yeah, it is super gross. Yeah. But you're into it. When she sees if he can uh, maintain any control, and uh, it, he can. He can still move of his own accord, except her will is stronger and she can stop him. Which, again, the, the, the metaphor is not subtle. Mm -hmm. At this point, they uh, move on to uh, looking for... Uh, 
her sister because uh, as mentioned uh shuichi has an incredible an incredibly powerful he's got a like tanjiro tier nose both in and out of monster form this is also where we get uh like that sort of like abuser aspect of it because uh claire's claire's bag of of tricks of just playing the sexy card constantly isn't working uh we get a more detailed flashback of uh the family trauma and that seems to have an effect on shuichi which uh, uh victim becomes victimizer seems to be very happy about uh. <laughs> well, because Shuichi goes this whole thing of like, he doesn't want to believe that Claire's sister is a murderer because he doesn't want to believe anyone's awful. And he's just like, are you absolutely sure she killed your parents? And Claire's just like, uh, she was standing over the corpses. It's pretty obvious to me. And he's just like, but you didn't see her do it. It's like, it's pretty obvious to me. And he's just like, but, but there are good people. Smell the clothes. And he's just like, OK, I guess I'll smell. The oh, nope, nope. She murdered a lot of people. That's a lot of blood. There is so much blood on these clothes. Lots of people's blood. Oh my God. Yeah, it's a lot of blood. I am amazed we can't see how much blood is on these clothes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they follow the serial killer sniff trail uh, to Big Sister's private high school that she goes to. Apparently she still goes to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Despite... Running away from home and being a self-made orphan. I'm just going to be honest. If I was on a lifelong quest to find my sister, I would check the place she goes to school first. Yeah. The dreamlike aspect of it is like, why is she still going to school? Because that's the like, that's a place that the person habitually goes. Yeah. Like the, the big thing is the way they find her is with his smell. He's just, she's right at the train station and. Claire looks out and can just see her standing at the train station. She's like, maybe I should have just waited at the train station. <laughs> yes, you should have. <laughs> I, su I suppose so. As it turns out, it would have worked. Well. Yeah, uh, yes and well, no. Uh, it it, it would have worked for finding her. It would not have worked out on the whole vengeance angle. Because uh, when they actually go to uh, confront uh, Big Sister... Do we get Big Sister's name? I believe so. I don't recall it, though. Yeah, me neither. Claire refers to her as her sister the whole time, and Shuichi refers to her as Claire's sister. Like, there's not... Mm -hmm. I'm sure she has a name, and I'm sure it's mentioned at one point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sister appears and is waiting on the train station. So they suit up and go to uh, commit an assassination in broad daylight, I guess. Yeah, at, at this point, they just don't care about being seen in the mascot costume. <laughs> I mean, at that point, they just look like a weird ser serial killer, I guess. Yeah. Oh, but uh, we do skip over the part that I like is like mm -hmm. as they're talking. Um, she, Claire briefly mentions like going to the mall to like look for clues. And Shuichi just goes like, I do like movies. And Claire's got this weird thing where she's just like, we can go, but not if it's a scary movie. I don't like scary movies. It's weird because, but it's not her flirting. It's her being genuine, like, the only time. But it's so weird. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, and I, I think actually the reason for that is a bit unveiled later as the confrontation with her sister continues, because... The most real and the most raw we see Claire's emotions is when she's confronting her sister. This is a blind mm -hmm. spot for her. All of her masks, all of her tricks go away because 
not to say that like this is the source of her being as screwed up as she is but like this is this is the linchpin of her laundry list of issues so when she's doing something that is like involved with her sister she is off balance and her you know manipulation her uh control it slips because this is more so the real her but like even so Claire gets right up to gets inside Shuichi, gets right up near her and has the gun trained on her to just go off like real quick. It's only when Shuichi like puts all of his effort into slightly tilting the gun away. He doesn't even get her to tilt the gun far. It's just enough that it hits her. Well, it still hits her is the problem. Yeah. What Claire had said to Shuichi is we'll shoot her in the leg to keep her from escaping and then we'll talk to her. And it's one of those ones where, like, I'm not 100% sure how much of that was just an outright lie and how much... Because, like, we see we see an internal shot of Claire looking at her sister as she's raising the gun, where it's like, did she, did she plan to just shoot her sister in the head all along, or was this a heat of the moment she couldn't control herself? Well, that's the thing is, uh, Shuichi's, like, while Claire is inside of him, like, as the gun's trained on her sister, he's just like, oh... I don't feel her emotions at all anymore. It's like she's completely dead inside right now. <laughs> yeah, she's acting. She's acting on reflex. Uh, that's when Shuichi's like, uh, "This is not what we agreed to," and he's able to pull his his arm far enough away that the that the gun doesn't uh, just completely blow uh, Claire's sister away. Just doesn't completely take her damn head off. I think somehow it actually only hits her hat. Despite the mm. fact that's really dumb, I thought for a second it like took out her left temple, but I think that's her dissolving into her monster form, which is like this yes. swamp thing looking thing. Yes. Yeah. She's got like weird. I, I thought of it as like weird hair powers, like it's Love Deluxe from JoJo's part four. She just created like a weird copy of herself and she had been like lurking in hair form this entire time. But yeah, she's got a lot. I hadn't really thought of it, but it is a lot of like Swamp Thing vibes. <laughs> and like in the biggest heel turn of this manga, though, Swamp Thing is about to to murder Shuichi in his dog form and then goes back to Demir Girls like, oh, geez, I can't. Oh, this is so embarrassing. I can't even right now. Can, can I just have a moment to compose myself? I'm not really going to talk to people. Ah. <laughs> I think she literally says that. Relatable. What am I going to do? Look, it's all right. I'm sorry. You you came to, you came here to kill me, right? C can we at least just go talk somewhere else? They pr then proceed to walk into the middle of a field. And I yeah. I love when manga does these scene transitions where you're just like, so did they awkwardly walk with each other for like five minutes to have this conversation in a completely different scene? Like, <laughs> given, this, given this is Glipnir, that feels like the kind of thing that would happen. Uh, and then they proceed to have a, an even more awkward conversation when they actually start talking to each other. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, how did you find me? Did the alien tell you? I'm sorry, alien. Yeah, the one collecting the coins. This is the first we've heard of Alien, by the way. I know we've mentioned the Alien uh, a couple of times, but this is the first time Aliens come up in the least bit. Uh -huh. this, is, this is where Alien makes its huge introduction plot-wise. But yes, it really much came out of like left Look. field, where we're just like, okay, we have potentially something supernatural, potentially something sci-fi going on, and now we got Aliens. Guys, I, mean, I, I know I know we've been focusing a lot so far of the story has been completely dedicated to predators. 
we got to throw some aliens in. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, somebody like tag me in when the vampires arrive because that's that's the route we're going on. Honestly, I could see that happening in Clipmere. <laughs> and we wouldn't be surprised. It is October. This is a real monster mash of a manga. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I feel like there should be air quotes around this. We get Claire's sister's side of the story. She explains that killing their parents was good, actually. And also, Shuichi, do you like the monster form I gave you? Well, because she doesn't realize Claire is there initially. So she's like, oh, I know why you're here to kill me. I guess it was really kind of bad of me to just do that to you out of nowhere. Honestly, I was trying to help. So I'm so sorry, Shuichi-kun. As Claire's like pulling the gun. Yeah. Wait. I, I was about to say, the manga does a really good job of setting it up. So it sounds like her sister knows it's Claire inside. Because she mm. does this like, I'm sorry, did that. Like, she, it makes it sound like the sister thinks that she transformed via the alien magic. The flashback we kind of get at the end of volume two kind of makes that a little weird to expect the audience to think that. But I'm willing to believe that's a like volume add on or something. But yeah, um, like the way the story is, it's like, oh, well, she's apologizing to her sister. That's why she brings up her parents at all. And it's just like, yeah, no, they were bad people. I'm just like, hey, I'm real sorry I did this to you, Shunichi the fuck and like that like half second breath of claire speaking her sister like a switch flips like wait there's a woman inside you murder <laughs> there's a woman inside you i was so supposed to be the one that did that and she turns into the swamp thing and rips his goddamn head off is this like the epitome of cheating like if your partner had like had a woman inside them is that cheating uh they have to actually be in a relationship yeah, I was about to say, it's tip that's typically a good barometer for cheating is if you are inside another person or someone else is inside of you outside of the normal boundaries of your relationship. Yeah. I think I need a diagram. I, unless they're a doctor. It doesn't count as cheating if uh, one person is a yandere stalker. Now, the yandere stalker <laughs> won't get that, but I think it needs to be made perfectly clear. The yandere stalker is wrong, as they usually are. Yeah. I thought yandere's could do no wrong. Yandere's only do wrong. Yeah, yandere's <laughs> are nothing but wrong. As this manga very clearly points out. I don't know. Yandere's do well on, on the anime market. I, I was so surprised that the reveal here that the two sisters were both yandere's for this poor guy. For this, this one poor guy, yeah. That is my case in point. They do so well that they inserted two of them very early on in the series. Look, but, look, there's a depressing aspect of, of you not being wrong, Jay, but just for the sake of, of making it as clear as possible, that's not a good thing. Yandere's <laughs> are bad. <laughs> I love how Claire's sister was like so letting her heart out. The second she hears like another woman's voice instinctively rips Shuichi's head off, apologizes to him, then notices it's Claire. And her response is not, oh, my sister, it's, Hey, I'm really not going to talk to you about anything. I'm you. I know you're expecting closure or something. I don't care. That's not really my problem. You want me to talk about our parents? They died in a gas explosion. That's what the police said. Didn't you just admit to murdering them earlier? Yeah, but I don't care about you. You're not getting catharsis from this. I want to be Yandere for the dude you're inside. Oh, I love this because... Like, it's really confusing, like, in the initial moment, because it's a very, like, 
it's like three pages of in of intense action you know after the head gets ripped off uh sister falls down and is like uh, apologizing and the manga almost tries to pull the same trick again because it's focusing on claire's head in the suit a lot and it's like no uh oh no my sister i'm so sorry no she's apologizing to shuichi and so claire goes to try to shoot her and just gets shut down by more powerful older sister monster older sister grabs their gun arm pushes it down don't aim guns at people. Immediately goes back to paying attention to the head. There is a strong sense of uh, Claire's sister completely ignoring Claire for Shuichi because mm-hmm. <laughs> this manga is literally made of red flags. Claire continues to push the issue, gets walloped. Only then the big sister goes, huh, didn't expect it to be you. Anyway, you know, our parents were kind of bastards, right? kind of did it for you in fact it's kind of your responsibility that i murdered them I was like god damn it the cycle of abuse yeah you always did say you wanted to kill them i guess i just uh oh are you mad that i did it and you didn't get the chance to sorry you always were selfish like this wait here's a coin to fix our boyfriend boyfriend I received a mysterious call. I have to go now. Bye. This is the strongest of the victim becomes victimizer. God damn it, manga. <laughs> you can't make me hate Claire this much and then immediately have this happen. I'm like, ah, oh, poor kid. No, wait, hold no. on. <laughs> and, you know, and again, the manga is is pretty clear that that's supposed to be the reaction that you have. No, wait, she's still a monster. <laughs> she might be a victim, but she is also a victimizer. Do not forget. Anyway, yeah. Claire remembers the promise she made to Shuichi earlier because uh, dude's head got ripped off. So she does the thing of like, don't worry, I remember our promise and she's going to kill herself. Also, strong vibes of the only thing that was giving me power has been taken away from me. But uh, that, that's maybe a little more negative than she deserves, but it's definitely there. Um, I, the thing is, yeah, I, I think the thing is that there's an element of that there, but also this is a more raw and vulnerable moment for Claire as well. It's one of those ones where like, she's saying that like, this is for our promise earnestly, but also because she's in such a bad place, there is also that selfish aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then Shuichi severed head says, wait, stop. I'm still alive. The manga doesn't end now. <laughs> they go to uh get our boy reheaded and i think now's a good time for us to take a quick break because oh boy we've been going a while because this song is a lot yeah it is a lot so uh we'll be back after this folks Welcome back to the show, folks. When last we left our characters, our main boy had been beheaded. Uh, our main girl was uh, distraught and uh, big sister <laughs> off somewhere. No one knows. Uh, how do we solve this? But obviously by going to a love hotel. Oh, have we mentioned but- that this manga isn't very subtle? <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, going... how many how many manga have we read, though, that a love hotel is? Yes, it has a romantic aspect, but also it's just relatively cheap and the only thing open late at night. 
It has come up a lot lately, hasn't it? It has. But, uh, yeah, we open on the Love Hotel. A handsome boy lying on a a mattress, admittedly, uh, reading a book. And then there's Claire holding his, holding Shuchi's severed head saying, You're the alien, right? Fix this! The alien is very hot. He is. We get a uh, very, very long, very uncomfortable uh, exposition scene, basically. And when I say uncomfortable, again, it's like it's trying to be uncomfortable. It does a good job of being incredibly unsettling. Mm-hmm. Like, because what the the alien is, like, his entire thing is he's like, he's really good looking and he's very friendly. There is nothing he does outwardly that is inherently hostile, but he's very no. friendly. <laughs> I mean, he is very friendly. I really genuinely believe that he is very friendly. He's also manipulative, but he's very friendly. Mm-hmm. He he is just generally kind of a prick. Every theory but, I have about him... Is he purposely every, a prick, or is it just, like, par, par circumstance? I think he doesn't care. I think he doesn't yeah. care about anyone it, else. Every theory I have about him is not fueled in any way by his actions. Just, like contextually (laughs) just by his vibes the whole thing is that he is that guy who will just say heartless things but you know he's got this beaming smile and the entire time and you're like you know the human brain naturally wired to be feel sympathetic towards uh pretty people or uh and smiles and and, and, and smiles and general openness and he's a very open smiley person so then you think about what he says it's like oh wait a minute you're a dick. <laughs> that's not that's not okay. Yeah. He sees the he sees the guy with the severed head and he's like, "Ooh, that has to hurt." Anyway, not my problem. Sorry. I could fix it for money. And I'm just like, "Hold on, this takes place in Japan." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is this a yen joke or is it cuz the yen's not doing too hot? I think it's a socialized medicine joke. Yeah, it was a it was a joke about uh, U.S. healthcare, mm. <laughs> which is really is really redundant because U.S. healthcare is the joke. Um, yes, <laughs> tautology. But so Claire's like, "Is it your problem now?" As she produces one of the weird coins. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll help you out. He's a slut for money. Yes. Uh, yeah. Ah, uh, metaphors. <laughs> mm-hmm. We call those whores, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, technically, it's not actual money. It's like his friends or whatever. Well, but I mean, there there is something to be said about uh, like they're literally at a love hotel. Like, again, it's not it's not trying to be subtle. It's saying it as close to out loud as it possibly can. Like this is they're literally at a love hotel and his friends are literally his only friends are money. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he does a whole lot of like mental gymnastics on how it's not money and how it's just like they're condensing their consciousness and whatnot. I'll summarize this real quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on this backstory, but basically what the plot is, he says is he's an alien from another planet. Basically, his entire race screwed up the environment on their planet so bad they had to go off and wait for their like they set it to clean and then set off on a like vacation while their house is getting deroached basically but because 
because faster than light travel is insanely expensive the more mass you have they have evolved beyond the point of needing a physical body they just condense their personalities into tiny discs to survive the like long travel and what happened is this latest leg took too long their ship degraded and crash landed scattering coins all over the mountain of this town now i'm not going too far into this backstory because at least two characters afterwards wonder if he is lying about part of or all of it they don't believe him entirely i don't necessarily believe him entirely either yeah and i mean like i think i think one thing that might be worth uh pointing out is that um in a lot of cases like you know we've been making jokes about the metaphor not being subtle like his only friends being coins aka money haha metaphor like the the reason why the metaphors are are so unsubtle is because it's filtering emotions through dream logic to illustrate the point like it's not it's not trying to like it's not trying to hide anything from the audience it's saying it all out loud and it's using non-literal methods of conveying the feeling and that's what the metaphors are that's why they're so blunt and on the nose but it's pretty funny that the this like phylactery essentially for his friends he just puts it in a vending machine and out pops a bottle of magic uh, transformation juice like comprised of his friends like apparently at least with how it was like how i interpreted the explanation is he converted his friends consciousness and or you know being into this juice that was then supposed to be consumed and healed. He purposely does not explain what he's doing as kind of like the thing. He says like, well, because he he starts by saying nanomachines, son, and then it's like, <laughs> nah, you're not going to understand it. It's magic fairies. Just drink the just drink the transformation juice. Drink the puberty metaphor juice. Do I it. Feel, I feel like in that instance, though, he was being truthful because it's just like don't know it could be just because of other literature i've read where it's just like i try to explain you explain this scientifically to you but you're just kids you're not gonna actually understand what the hell i'm saying so yeah whatever they are they are meeting him on a crossroads in the pale moonlight but i think he is able to lie to them (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i mean i mean not for nothing it's like nano machines probably true is he an alien maybe As far as we know, one of those coins went in the machine and he popped out. I mean, he's either... I'm going to make a prediction here, and I know that we usually do that at the end of the episode, but I'm saying he's either some kind of, like, malicious, like, spirit or demon, or he's legit an alien who just literally gives no... Mm -hmm. And and both are equally likely is the thing. I don't well, think he, he's. I don't think he's human lying about being an alien. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, and, obvi- yeah. and obviously that becomes apparent. But I'm just saying, like, I don't think he's like some genius rich kid who's just discovered some power or something. I, I legit think he is. He's some kind of. He's some kind of either sci-fi or supernatural. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All Shuichi has to do is hold his head in place and drink the ju- the transformation juice and uh, wait for the nano machine's son to do their job. Hey, while you're waiting, you want me to tell you what would be really cool? You know how one coin can give you like the perfect ideal version of your body? What would all the coins do? <laughs> it could make you like a god which usually happens whenever you're imbued with too much power and knowledge 
I don't know if that's what we established the coins do. No, no, you see, you see, you drink the juice and you transform your body into a new idealized form. It's great. Here, I'll demonstrate. You, pretty girl, give me one of your pubic hairs. Uh. <laughs> this is what I was just like, yep, this is just a continuation of Don to Don. Bunch of yeah, curves. This, this part is just him being horny, is the thing. <laughs> Uh-huh. And the funny thing is he literally has his entire like like explanation of the fact that his alien species can take on whatever form they want. They're supposed to be highly intelligent or whatever. He's just like, well, I'm still have this human male like form, so I'm just saying, you know, you're like in front of me naked. I do have the bo- the body of a teenage boy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this young human male body, and you're an attractive human woman. Look, can you really blame me? Yes, I can, Need of the Balls. Which he deserves. He does deserve, but I mean, that's the ultimate compliment. An alien tells you you're hot. <laughs> Look, okay, it doesn't have to be a pubic hair. You can just give me one of your regular hairs. Actually, it doesn't matter. I took one of them when you need me in the balls. <laughs> Violation metaphor. <laughs> yes. I just did whatever I wanted anyway. Uh-huh. And uh, we get a really interesting page here uh, because Alien says, I've got a question for you. Do you love yourself or hate yourself? Well, that's a stupid question. You don't have a choice on who you are. If you don't love yourself, then you're better off dead, says Claire with the most dead look in her eyes. Who has been talking about her uh, suicidal thoughts and tendencies for most of the manga. Yeah, What's not the- subtle. But uh, despite how unsubtle it is, Alien doesn't seem to pick up on that. Because he's like, yeah, but wouldn't it be really cool if you could change yourself? Watch me eat your hair. And then he transforms into her completely naked, of course. Uh, Dude, he totally already had this narrative planned out. He was just kind of like putting it out there for exposition. I I was about to say, this conversation has the vibe of like your one friend who learned a uh, magic trick on YouTube and is like prompting like, hey, 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 pick, uh, you know what would be really cool? You want to go, like, I bet I couldn't do this with this bottle of water. I'm like, dude, I, I know you figured out a trick to do this. Just show me the trick. Don't try and set up the bit. <laughs> no, yeah. set up the bit. <laughs> In other words, your response to this didn't really matter. I just, you know, was just doing it. He's doing whatever he wants. <laughs> which, is, and- which is this manga in, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> and and, th- and this is why I called the magic juice the puberty juice, because he consumes the hair and transforms into a perfect copy of Claire, ass naked, of course, tits out. And I would I would flash back that it was not a perfect copy. It was a hotter version than, of Claire. Yeah, it, obviously. It, it, it was hotter. It was hotter. I think she did. Have she, had bi- she had uh, bigger boobs. But and, and he's like, yeah. how to become a new version of yourself. This is an idealized version of how he envisions her because he is a perv. Why can't aliens be pervs? They can. I just don't think they should. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather nobody be pervs, but uh <laughs> So yeah, there, there's your puberty metaphor. And he's like, damn, this is a really nice body. Maybe I'll just use this one from now on. Hey, it's really weird that you're doing that. Can you stop? Did that, did uh, Shuichi saying that stop you? Ah, uh, whatever, fine. I thought, I thought it was going to go into the direction of like, oh, if you love yourself, then wouldn't you love this enhanced version of yourself so much that you totally would make out with it? There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I do like Shuichi's response, though, where he's like, screw off, idealized version of myself. I never wanted to turn into this thing. Are you sure about that, kid? You sure you didn't want to turn into an empty vessel to let someone inside you? Maybe to cover up your own uh, weaknesses there? Burn! And of course, he has to frame it like it's a compliment to make it all that much more painful. Yeah. It's like, come on, kid. No, understanding your weaknesses is a great thing. You just need someone else to come in and take control so that you uh, can disavow yourself of all responsibility. That's fine. Everyone feels like that sometimes. Alien is secretly a much bigger. But like, here's the thing. You know that's bullshit because he got transformed by the girl, by uh, Claire's sister, to look like her little keychain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this but is an I- even. I would argue that the keychain is one thing. Like, he could totally have adopted the form of a keychain without being a mascot and empty inside. The form of a keychain. <laughs> no, but oh, what, I, but what oh, I'm but saying is there's another reason why he was completely hollow. It, it's weird. There's a lot of mixing of the metaphors going on here because Claire's sister did have a keychain. So, like, theoretically could have transformed him down into a little thing that she could just clip on her belt and carry around, which seems like the sort of thing she'd do. Yeah. The keychain is clearly reminiscent of some character that actually exists in universe or whatever. Transform into a mascot costume version of the character. Still something that can be, you know, stepped into, so to say. So it could be a weird sort of fusion of Big Sister's wishes and uh, Shuichi's own. Well, I think the I think the big and important thing is once again the alien is basically talking past Shuichi. Mm-hmm. Nobody's really considering Shuichi's thoughts on the matter. There might be some level of it, some subconscious level. He doesn't want to take responsibility for his own actions. The truth of the matter is probably not nearly as severe as the situation that someone else forced him into. And to me, I feel the direction that his character development is going to go moving forward is probably going to be something along the lines of him saying what he actually wants out of out of things. And uh, this actually ends up getting uh, supported by the cliffhanger at the very end, but uh, we'll get to that in a bit. There's still... uh, a little bit of a way to uh, go before we get there. Still a bit of a hike, yeah. Yeah, quite literally. Because <laughs> uh, uh, basically what happens after this is um, he, uh, Alien goes on a bit of a tangent and goes like, yeah, and I mean, if one coin can give you like an idealized body. Hey, t- t- weird tangent. You guys ever read a manga? You ever wonder how cool what? the main character of those manga are they've got like godlike powers and can like shoot beams out of their hands and destroy planets with the flick of the wrist like destroying planets like all, all main manga characters can do destroying planets and i'm like mm, hold on mm. um, so anyway <laughs> if you got me a hundred coins you know i could give you all of the power i i like uh during that it's uh it's got not uh, Attack on Titan and not Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, to this point, I feel like DPZ, DBZ is just in the collective conscious consciousness of like everyone. It's like, yeah, we know what you're referencing, dude. <laughs> but I feel like this, just the way he's kind of like framing it here is kind of a switch from how he was framing it of like, oh, 
I'm one of the few survivors of my species who was able to take a humanoid form or human form. My other friends and colleagues, you know, are coins now. And now he turns it completely transactional where it's just like, oh, yeah, if you totally just bring me back a whole bunch of my friends, I'll, I'll give you so much power and everything. Yeah. Like, that's that's the weird thing is he makes an arbitrary limit of 100 coins. Yeah. Is what the ultimate level of power is, which is weird because we know that can't possibly be the total number because okay. people have been spending coins. <laughs> and I kind of wonder if, you know, if he's aware of his kind of switch out because it's kind of like he makes this passionate plea of, oh, I'm just like a, a lost little alien and I'm trying to like get back home to my home planet. If you can help me and my friends, it'd be great. And then he's just like, oh, by the way, if you could just get me these coins, I'll be giving, I'll be able to give you all this power and everything. Not turning, not talking about necessarily like restoring his friends or anything, or perhaps collectively that they'd be able to make you stronger or anything. Like, I mean, he doesn't transform, at least not in the reading, like transform any of the coins to a similar like physical composition. Yeah. So it it's it, it's almost as if that some of the characters in this manga might be uh, manipulative liars who use yeah. uh, half truths and full farce to get people to do what they want against their will. Guys, I've got a crazy read on the alien. Uh huh. Capitalism. Editing <laughs> <laughs> Sam in the future. Stop playing the <laughs> the Soviet <laughs> anthem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but hold on, hold on. Two, two, two young kids lost in life, no ambition on one side, uh, no reason to live on the other. Find uh, and you know all the transitioning into adulthood going on in the story, right? Find this uh, weird guy who comes up to them and says, "Hey, do this job for me. Give all the pr give profits over to me, and I will grant unto you nebulous power that will give you uh, freedom." Uh, I might be trying too hard, but <laughs> you you are. But like, <laughs> what I'm saying is, they're working out of the table for this weird dude. I'm just saying, like, not to poke holes, but to poke holes. It's just kind of like. Oh no, please, it's just the idea. <laughs> I'm just saying capitalism kind of bestows the power within yourself. Not so much I'll bestow anything to you. At well, least in the idealized version of it. Like, you yourself will get power. So, I mean, to give it to the alien, to then hope that the alien is truthful in his, you know, generosity. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, because it's like, Okay, you you do work, you do labor, you create value, and uh, you are rewarded by the capital holder with the power to create capital of your own. You know who knows who who knows who's doing what with this power. But we have a <laughs> we have a rat race that comes up a little later. So yeah, I was about to say we have a uh, like side scene immediately after this that tells us exactly what these people are doing with the power. They're going out into the mountains and killing each other because that's where he said all the coins are. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, this alien is aware people are going to find his friends and are just murdering each other. That's not that's not what. It's you, your friends back sooner. You've turned gathering your friends into a competition. Why aren't you going out there to pick up your friends? Like, 
It's either a rat race or it's a death game. Or yes, maybe it's the, ni both. the nihilist in me thinks that the part of his lie was that he was just traveling and waiting for his planet to be, you know, ha um, habitable again. Could Earth be. It's his planet. Yeah. It's got all these human infestations they got to get rid of first. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I, I could... think. I think the fact that he's just like, oh, no, we were just, you know, taking a trip, you know, while, while our home was being fumigated, we're, we're totally set to go back. Actually, their home is completely destroyed and they have no intention of ever going back. And it's just like, hey, why not create a death game? That is that that absolutely is a legitimate possibility. Uh, he, he's done a death game, which has created an army of powerful monsters that are now obligated to him. And he's got his entire alien army drawn all together now back in one place. An invasion force. Where are we going with this? Oh, right. Death game in the mountains. Yes, uh, it was connected. Hang on. I'll, I'll, I'll take off my tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we have to go into the mountains in order to find the rest of the coins. Which means, obviously, Suichi and Claire need to dress up like they're going on a hiking date. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why are the two of them doing this? I guess they got nothing better to do. They actually both say that they kind of come to a mutual decision. I think Claire just, uh, I think Claire just, you know, okay. lobs up. It's she, very obvious, Sam. She just, she just lobs up a mildly uh, moralistic solution and uh, Shuichi yeah. snaps onto it like, yes, yes, I'm a hero. I'm still a good person. Shuichi's terrified by the concept of someone having way too much power. Claire also seems to say that, but her motive don't feel 100% behind that conviction. Well, here's the like, thing. Here's the thing. And this is actually something that goes into my my reading of Claire. I think Claire immediately pegged the alien as turning this into a death game. She's like, he is manipulating everybody into fighting each other. I need to get ahead of this because I don't like the fact that he has the leg up on us. So you feel like Claire sees through his game to some degree? I, I, feel, I feel like she... She understands that the alien is manipulating everybody who has been touched by these coins and these monster transformations. And that the fact that she's sort of like and, and she knows if she just says that to Shuichi, he's probably going to be like, but he seemed so nice because that's Shuichi's response to most things. So she's just basically like like the fact that that she seems like sort of distant on the whole, you know, we need to stop the uh, we need to stop someone bad from getting the coins. Like it, it feels like she knows that this is being set up in a particular way. But she's kind of into it. We also, we, uh, it's either right here or like it's on their way up the mountain. I think they talk a little about why she didn't spend the coin on the thing and like she's got like a lot of hesitation to the fact that no the the like that monster power is probably a trap i'm totally cool just piloting you <laughs> i'm totally cool just abusing you and letting you put yourself on the line Ugh. i want to feel sympathy for you claire but you're so aggressively unsympathetic <laughs> Anyway, isn't this like a fun adventure? Uh, yeah, this, this is Claire trying to get Shuichi into this madness. Uh, real quick, before they go into the mountains, we have to have one last scene of Shuichi making, uh, making uh, Mifune oh, exceedingly uncomfortable. <laughs> 
The, the first scene was just kind of like normal conversation. This scene, he has no pretense of being a normal human being. Brooding up on the roof, looking out into the distance. And she walks up behind him and he's like, oh, hey, Mufini-san, what's up? How did you know it was me? Uh, I smelled you coming. I mean, I saw you coming up the stairs behind me. Oh, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> A complete non sequitur. What would you do if the world was going to end today? What do you what do you mean? Like if it was your if you were about to die, if it was the last day on Earth, if someone had so much power that they could just annihilate everything with a thought and if you knew that that was coming you mean like a fun thought experiment no nothing like that i'm talking almost completely literally what would you possibly do what <laughs> no pressure I, just give the right answer i try to stop the bad guy oh yeah i thought the same thing anyway have a good day hey what's with that weird scar on your neck i got scratched by a cat that doesn't look like a cat scratch it was tiger sized <laughs> it was it was me as tiger <laughs> well, I'm, gonna go off to, I'm gonna go off to die in the mountains later oh my god that poor, oh, girl. That poor girl oh man <laughs> I, I i am i am rooting for her and chuichi to survive this madness oh, anyway appar apparently the mountains work like prison because the only people crazy enough to go up in these mountains are monsters so they definitely set up a death game and i i know this will come off weird the writing is not as strong as Platinum End. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be, but when they're doing like their strategy for the death game and I'm just like, okay, you're, you guys are just going to punch though. And then they proceed to go, well, biggest guy in the room, prison rules. Yep. That's sort of, again, the thing where I get, I sort of get the impression that Claire is humoring Shuichi to a large extent. She doesn't really seem to make a lot of decisions in his presence. She doesn't really care, because her goal up here is kill people, take their coins. That is, that is all she cares about. Like, to the point where they're going into the mountains, and she's like, all right, we're far enough away that no random normies are going to walk by. Uh, turn into your monster shape. Why? So we won't get recognized? Because our human faces are going to be the weird thing out here. Yeah, here's the other thing, though. Like, she she says stuff like i'm we're just gonna kill everybody but she also like again there's like that element of she tried to like she tries to talk to people uh mm -hmm. as well it, it's one of those ones where i really do feel like like out loud she's saying stuff like we'll just kill everybody who's who uh wanders by but like it really feels more like she's She's sort of like soft participating in the death game that she realizes the alien turned it into, but she's just not talking to Shuichi because she knows that or it's one of those ones where I'm making this sound like it, it's a smart and good decision. It's not. She's not a good person for this, but she's like from her perspective, it's not worth it talking to Shuichi about this because he's just going to slow the decision making down and be too empathetic. Gonna get upset that I forced him to murder that girl again. Jeez, gonna keep crying about it. It's just a little murder. And then cremating the body in the woods. That's sort of the uh, take I get from it, where it's from Shuichi's perspective. So there's a lot of decision making that Claire is doing that we're not privy to because Shuichi doesn't know about it. Or care, yeah. Uh, they eventually find a scent in the woods. They go full beast form to attack first and then uh they possibly run into the scariest monster ever 
<laughs> oh my god. It's a really good character design. I love Death Mantis. <laughs> I know he has an actual name. His name is not actually Death Mantis. I just call him that because that's clearly what he is. <laughs> He's a giant skull knight looking dude with massive horns and blade arms. Yeah. We haven't mentioned that all of the monsters have this weird, like, kind of plus symbol on them. And, like, originally I thought it was just part of the, you know, kind of felt aesthetic of the, of Shuichi's monster form. But no, every monster has had it, including Death Mantis. It's right there on his, uh, on his sternum. How the, like, first attack where they just come out and jump Death Mantis. And he's just like, ha. Huh. You are the only people to come out and fight me in the open. I took the thing to become so strong that fights with humans bore me. Now I'm out here fighting for a worthy opponent. But his the backstory he tells is, I'm literally too scary looking. Everyone runs away. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, Claire, and Claire's like, well, we don't, we're not necessarily enemies. We just want to talk. Oh, you're a girl. Well, that's kind of a shame. Whatever. I'll still kick your ass. So it's funny that you say that because my first read of that is like, oh, it's a shame you're a girl. And then he was saying like it was a huge like smatter against, oh, you have such an ugly form. How unfortunate. <laughs> I'll put you out of your misery. <laughs> There's no reason to think that's not true, but I, I, I read him as a little bit more. Uh, he, he's at least what we have seen of him. He's one of the least awful people in this manga, which is really saying something. That's saying something for the person who went up to the mountains to murder people with to his bare people. Yeah. yeah, that's really saying something for that character. And it's also vaguely sexist because his response isn't, oh, you're a girl. It's a shame you have such an ugly form. It's, oh, you're a girl. That's not fun to fight. You're too weak. See, that's another read that I did not have. He didn't want to fight a woman because he's got the other thing later where he's like, could you please put some clothes on is how I mm. took it. It's like one of those like misguided respect for women sort of thing. But it, it's chivalry ah. is what it is. Yeah, that makes sense. I think chivalry is the better word for it, because like because that's, again, sort of the reason why I'm like, you know, despite the fact that he went out to kill people like. He doesn't he doesn't seem like as bad of a person as a lot of the other characters that we meet, which is really saying something. I think the only character that hasn't done some horrible, horrible transgression is uh, uh, Mifune. And I'd say Shuichi is there never on his own accord there there's something that could arguably be said about allowing things to let be happen. But considering what the metaphor is of out that's it's pretty hard to blame shuichi for anything that happened we, we get a pretty cool fight with the death mantis as much as um claire was saying we're just gonna jump the first person we see and kill them before they have the chance to fight back claire explicitly does not do that she walks up and says hey do you want to be allies he says no i'm here to fight people to the death and she's like well crap i guess we're just gonna have to fight to the death now <laughs> she also really uh uh jumps onto the bandwagon of let's not fight to the death when it becomes a incredibly clear she couldn't fight to the death yeah. yeah cannot beat this guy because shuichi actually is the first one to throw a punch which he blocks and he's like hmm if i were an ordinary human that would have killed me however i took it quite well thank you provi for providing the first answer 
on the limits of my power. I will now crush you into the ground. It kind of devolves into a shonen fight for a little bit. We're not really going to go beat by beat, but I just really like his whole dynamic of every time there is a development in the fight, he's like, ah, another answer to the question of what is power. It's also another one where it's like, if this was a, a, a shonen manga or something, then uh, the, the character dynamic would be very different. But the thing that's uh, sort of nice is that the ending of this confrontation is uh, Shuichi wants to try to fight alone and tells Claire to, you know, get out of my suit body and run. And uh, Claire changes the plan to, no, wait, I'll take the gun and we'll get him from two. And the uh, and and Death Mantis's reaction is like you see the mental image of uh, what would happen if she tried firing that super gun uh, that would break her spine. And he sort of glances over his shoulder and it's like you realize what'll happen if you pull that trigger, right? And she just has a look of determina uh, determination on his face, and he's like, "Well, you win." Because uh, the gun is super powerful comparatively to a regular gun, so. Uh, Forget broken wrists. That is broken arms. Well, the the the, the mental image that Death Mantis has is uh, her spine getting folded. That would instantly yeah. kill her, at least by uh, Death Mantis's estimation. And uh, Death Mantis is like, uh, "Well, you uh, you defeated me in honorable combat. You may proceed to kill me." And Claire is like, I'm "The type of person who uses people. We're gonna have you <laughs> live and fight for us because Claire is so sympathetic." Yeah. Well, because Claire 100% just goes like, because he does this whole diatribe about like, yeah, I don't actually care about the coins. I'm up just here to kill people. And she's like, oh, you don't care about the coins and you murder our competitors? As he proceeds to murder someone who jumps in, it's like, ah, I'm some giant head monster. And he's like, hold on, <laughs> slices it in half. Okay, I'm done with my murder. You can kill me now. And Claire's just like, <laughs> oh, thank God. I was worried we were the weakest people on this mountain, but if there's a bunch of monsters like that, I think we just ran into the toughest guy by complete accident. <laughs> and he's this weird, honor-bound, power-seeking nut job, so he'll absolutely work for us because we beat him. Uh, yes, uh, we keep calling him Death Mantis. His name is Sunbei Tadamori. Uh, he is a college student. <laughs> who uh, was enamored with strength and martial arts. So he got this weird monster body, and he's like, unfortunately, this is not built for human martial arts. So I started developing my own. I have to make my own stuff up. It is not yet complete. I shall test myself in this uh, definitely not a death game that the very nice alien definitely didn't set up. <laughs> I, I get the feeling he knows what's going on, too, and just doesn't care. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The other thing that we learn, because we do get we do get a little bit with the with the giant head monster uh, where um, he had uh, taken a picture of uh, the three of their human forms. Uh, now you will work for me. <laughs> I'm going to make it creepy, too, because it's Glipnir. And that's when uh, Sanbei just bites I will. Them. I will make a good slave of you, woman. <laughs> ah, good. I have no compunctions about killing you, biceps and vertically. <laughs> yeah. So we have our final cliffhanger of uh, Shuichi seeming to going to join this new band of weirdos. And uh, thus brings us to the end of our reading. Yay! Uh, so, again, I really don't want to say seminal question, but the seminal question. Uh, favorite character? 
I gotta say Death Mantis, because he's the most normal character who's not Mifune. I was about to say, again, this man went to the mountains to beat people to death. He's not a normal person. He's not a normal person, but he's the most normal. Yeah, everything is relative. He's the most normal character involved in this madness. He feels like a guy who should be in... You know, a story about transforming monsters fighting over MacGuffins. Not all this uncomfortable puberty. That That's just on a pure, like, oh, thank God, something familiar level. Yeah. In terms of, like, an actual, like, a character to, like, uh, get the old brain thinking, I, I think I think the alien. Just because I don't know what the hell is up with him, and I need to know. And I feel like it's going to be extremely icky to find out the entire time. <laughs> God damn, I need to know. <laughs> There's a reason they call it morbid curiosity. So, uh, Jacob, favorite character? Um, for me, it's relatively easy. One of those cases where it's like, you know, say, saying the villain is your favorite character. When I say I love Claire, it's almost entirely because of how much I hate her, too. Uh, man, it, it, it's such a well-balanced character in the sense that, like, I feel so, so bad for the situation that put her in that mental and emotional place. And yet at the same time, she's just so consistently despicable. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's a very fine line to walk uh, from a character perspective. And I, I think that the manga nailed it in that it's like, oh, man, I feel so bad for her. No, wait, I shouldn't. And then the next like panel some, or page sometimes panel is you're right. You shouldn't feel that way. Let me show you why. <laughs> so definitely Claire is is my favorite, though. I got to say a lot of the characters were really great. A lot of characters had a lot of like really subtle impact. Very few characters actually like, uh, you know, like for all the uh, really obvious metaphors, a lot of like character motivations, I feel you have to read between the lines for. Um, so I really like that in a story. All right. And Jay. This is a quite difficult uh, question to answer just because um, I have favorites for different reasons, um, as per usual. <laughs> So unfortunately, um, I have to say, as much as she frustrated me, I have to say I'm leaning towards favorite character is Claire. Mm -hmm. And I guess I would liken it to the fact that she, for better or for worse, knows what she wants and is able to actually take the initiative and, and do move the plot forward. I feel if Suichi was left to his own devices, he'd kind of be there stuck. And I really appreciate characters that are able to kind of you know, I'm not saying it's good, but move the plot forward. Yeah, um, yeah. So as far as favorite fight, however, I would have to kind of say that, um, yeah, Death Mantis guy. But I have to say that with the caveat that it really feels like that's like the first major fight. So I'm yeah. Yeah. That's why I wasn't uh, bringing that up myself, because like, of course, the fight with the giant blade armed Death Knight guy is going to be my favorite. That's rad. There, there's something to be said for the the fight with the with Runner Girl, but that's more of a home invasion. That's not really a fight. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was going to say Runner Girl is my favorite fight. <laughs> ah, I I felt that um, Death Mantis got a little too shoneny. Like, mm, that's like fair. I, it became a little too rote. And like, what I really liked about the Runner Girl fight was how brutal it was. Because when Claire was in control, she was just monstrous. Like, you had like the shadowy, white, glowing eyes, and like mm -hmm. 
Oh, the imagery of holding the gun up to her back and shooting like that, like circular thing through her chest. And then the fact they've got the panel of burning the body the entire time. Shuichi just going like, what is going on with my life? Also, Shuichi's my favorite character. Uh (laughs) (laughs) An excellent choice. Yeah, that's sort of that's sort of what I was alluding to is that like um, if you if you want to talk about like what is a good fight in a sort of like direct sense then, I mean, the Death Mantis fight is basically a shounen fight, but there's mm-hmm. definitely something to be said for Runner Girl in that it is so brilliant in the way that it subverts it, because it sets it up like it's going to be a like a, a shounen battle series, and then just rips that clean away. Yeah, I think, again, it's a, it's a measure of duality, because the Runner Girl fight, for all the reasons Matt said, is spectacular with how it uh it, engr- it it engrosses you it's extremely uh captivating in that regard uh and just like after this entire reading of just you know violation and discomfort and madness i was i i was just so happy to have just a normal shonen punch him up <laughs> yeah. it, it it felt like coming home and taking off my shoes after a long day <laughs> There is an important aspect that um, when you when you do something extreme in a story, you need to have some kind of either catharsis or breather or else it just becomes overwhelming and exhausting. And like sometimes you want it to be exhausting, but that can that that's hard to maintain over a long period of time. Yeah, maybe that makes me a bitch. It, pro- it probably does. <laughs> but I, I, I think I, that makes you, I, I think that makes you human. <laughs> I was I was about to say Gleipnir is like the, the like suspenseful horror genre I really like in manga. The Gleipnir is like the light version of that, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe mm-hmm. don't recommend a few things for us to read. There's an aspect of of Gleipnir that I I, I understand the idea that it like it kind of feels like it's oscillating between genre and changing the plot and whatnot. The immediate thing I got, and I got this very, very early on, and it was kind of the reason why I could handle a lot of the like more transgressive stuff that it did. It has such a dream quality. Uh it, it I mean I, I very early on compared it to Alice in Wonderland. It's a it's an extremely, extremely aggressive Alice in Wonderland. It changes everything on a dime. Not that I expect where it goes to, but I kind of expect these sorts of turns because this isn't this isn't a linear linearly told shonen story where plot point happens and then the next plot point. No, this is this is raw emotion put on page. Mm. Um, and I, I I really liked it for that. Like I said earlier, I don't think I like it for that. I think it kept me very engaged for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair way of putting it. So, Matt, Jay, any closing thoughts? Um, I feel like we inter, kind of in, interdispersed within this episode. We kind of had some thoughts and conjectures. So, mm-hmm. um, where this plot could take us and potential twists. Um, overall, though, I would say that this. I hate having to be like a broken record here and saying it's a culmination of various series that I've watched and or read in the past. And I just feel like it's a combination of various series, but I really do get this, get that kind of vibe. I don't know. I I feel like there are a lot of themes that were kind of combined here. And my point is, I don't know how I feel. 
is it is a lot thrown at us at this initial reading. Some of it is very bizarre and confusing. Um, but I, I think I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, that's that's my um take, I guess. All right, and Matt. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat. Um I I actually think the the genre is actually pretty consistent. I think sometimes it does like the lighthearted things, but then I, I don't think it ever lets you get that far with it. And I think we brought this up earlier. Like Claire does the like sexy flirty nonsense, but that quickly stops working for her. And like some, sometimes Suichi's into it, but there's always like a level of disgust with it that he's like, there's like a physical reaction that he's then not happy with. Mm-hmm. And then that builds on his guilt. And it's like this whole, like, just, uh, it's like concentrated angst. And I really enjoy it for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, as far as John, as far as like genre goes, I think it's actually pretty straightforward. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a shonen, but like, it's just like a dark reflection of it, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Hey, yeah. I agree. What if this death game just be, because they're like all, they're very cartoony monster designs, is the thing. This isn't like what you'd expect to see from like a more violent like like death game thing. This is I don't know because the only cartoony bit that we have is Suichi so far. The other monsters are like legit giant head horrors. monster. Well, giant yeah. head monster, and I'd also say I'd also say like there's a there's a sort of out like and with intention out the edge aspect to Death Mantis, and even Runner Girl honestly seems almost more like a shonen trope character like again like it's, it's from it's, killing bites yeah well, okay. <laughs> it's killing bites is very violent <laughs> they're putting you in a headspace and then saying but this is what would happen if it was even remotely like like if it played by those rules but it wasn't in well, a like, world where everything turns yeah. out all right in the end yeah and like i i think the thing that really hammers that home is they felt the need to include the scene of burning the body of the person they beat in that fight, whereas a shonen would not even bother telling you, unless it's Hunter Hunter, where Kalua is so confident she, uh, not she, where uh, Kalua is so just, confident he brought. I misgendered Kalua. It's not my fault. <laughs> Kalua is so confident the man brought a shovel to a 1v1 boxing match in the desert like <laughs> so uh, with that in mind would you continue reading I don't think I would continue to read this willingly I would happily do another episode for the podcast but oh boy this left me very emotionally tired and I think I need a nap yeah <laughs> How about you, Matt? Oh, this is exactly my kind of trash. I told you, like, this is the thing I... This is, like, the light version of some of the stuff I read. And, like, those things I do need to take a break from because I'll be like, okay, this has gotten real heavy and it's not letting up. I'll I'll just take a little break from it and go do something else. This I was constantly like, oh, yeah, no, feel pain. Oh, yes, good. (laughs) Suffer for what you want. Just saying, Matt, maybe something's off. (laughs) No, I, I think this is a completely normal reaction. In fact, I felt nothing but validated the entire time we read Blue Lock. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jay, how about you? So, Sam, I have to say I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't know how to feel. I feel very exhausted reading all, like, I don't get any enjoyment of reliving angst. It is very taxing for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, 
Well, those of you who are privy to our Discord chat, they're just like, I see on the horizon, I, I feel like I have some pretty clear like signals of where this is going. And it's just kind of like, either it is going to be a slight twist on an already regurgitated or tried and true trope, or it's just going to be a revisit of tr teenage angst, and there's going to be some growth, there's going to be some improvement and acceptance here. And I, I, I have come to a point in my life where I'm just like, that doesn't do it for me. I'm just kind of like, meh, next. So I feel like I would enjoy it for the podcast, but this is just not a work I really gravitate towards naturally. Gotcha. And you, Jacob. Um, so to the shock of perhaps everyone in the universe, a uh, complete ditto exact same feeling as Matt. Um, oh, I, I, <laughs> Jacob, we agree. You didn't say him and Jay are against us. I know. What is happening? What is happening? <laughs> You've broken the natural order. <laughs> uh, to go into a bit more detail, uh, this is some absolutely delicious angst. Uh, this is su such a well-crafted uh, parade of angst, and I really kind of love it for that. And in all honesty, uh, to sort of contrast with Jay, I don't see this ending happily. There's a there's a part of me who loves happy endings, who wants it to end happily. I don't think that's going to happen. And that's sort of what gets me so invested, because there's that glimmer of maybe it's going to be okay, but it's probably not going to be okay. And um, when you combine that with some characters that are just the simplest, least layered character is Mifune, and she is the normal world trying to pull the main character out of this hideous, terrible place. And just like the characters just are such interesting train wrecks that I can't, you know, pull myself away from. So I'm definitely going to keep up with this one. All right. So thank you everyone once again for listening to the Over Manga Cast. As always, you can find us on all your social medias where we are at OverMangaCast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, also, you can uh, find us on YouTube where episodes go up two weeks after they air everywhere else. And you can like, comment, and subscribe. And as always, we appreciate reviews in any and all forums. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, I think you can do. I don't know. Uh, but if you see a text box that relates to us, uh, send us something. We love hearing from it. Uh, you can also reach out and email us. Uh, Overmangacast at gmail.com. Um, we can receive uh, new series suggestions, or if you'd like for us to revisit a series you like, uh, we love hearing from them. We love taking those into consideration. Sometimes we receive them when we're in the middle of a theme month and <laughs> they do have to get pushed back. And sometimes it's October, which is a theme month that then goes into a theme month. But we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, 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 we'll get those recommendations in as soon as we can. Indeed. And of course, make sure to visit OverMangaCast.com, uh, your one-stop shop for everything the show has to offer. And tune in next week, where we are going to be continuing our uh, spooky uh, shenanigans with a returning favorite. We're going back to Frankenfran, volumes one. Er, no, we did that last time. Volumes three through four. Yep. <laughs> I mean, go, go ahead and read volumes one and two as well, because I think that was the pumpkin king of last Halloween. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Go check that out, and we will see you all next Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, friends. Okay, so I'm serious. We gotta find where we kept that shovel. Yeah, I'll get the lighter. <laughs>